0: church. Thanks for listening in. We exist as a church to connect people to the heart of God and to a family within the church, and we believe that Jesus is the way. We hope this message blesses you and gives you hope today.
1: Well, good morning and welcome home. We pray that everyone is doing well. And as Pastor Bronson mentioned, we've been doing testimonials, um, did a family series early in the summer and some takeaways that we've had is actually that we know that wisdom builds the house. And uh, for those of us who build a house without wisdom and with the Lord Jesus Christ as our foundation, then we know that we labor in vain. And so I thank God, I thank Pastor Bronson for this opportunity to share my testimony. And really, if we look at our lives and where we are today versus where we've come from, I think oftentimes we can take light of our testimonies. Uh, Some of us, whether we are overachievers or underachievers, many times we look at where we've come from and discount the grace and mercy that has been on our lives. So I'm just thankful today that God sees fit to have us all here at this place at this appointed time. So let's pray, God, we thank you so much for your grace for your mercy and your loving kindness towards us. God, we thank you for another chance. We thank you that we're able to come in and edify those who need it. But Lord, ultimately, that we will glorify you because you deserve it. Pray right now, Lord God, that you hide me, even though my story will be told, but that people will see. Themselves and their situation and how you can work it out, in spite of. Now, Lord, we pray that you would forgive us of our sin and shortcomings and anything that would get in the way of people hearing what you have to say to the church on today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Well, it's been stated. My name is Dwayne. My wife and I, Marque. She was at first service. She's not here. We get an opportunity to serve here as uh, we kind of facilitate some small groups through marriage. At a previous congregation we attended, I was part of the free ministry, free ministry. And it was a drug addiction type of ministry. And it was about the the acronym free, finally resisting the enemy's evils. And so I just think it uh, very gracious of the Lord to see fit to allow us to serve. In any capacity, but how many of us, as we look back over our lives, we've seen if you're married or you're engaged to be married or you've had girlfriends or you've had boyfriends, and you've seen that you've outkicked your coverage, so to speak. Anybody know what that means? You outkicked your coverage. You kind of upgraded, and Lord blessed you with somebody that's been comparable and, and more than what you've expected. And so, <laughs> got a witness here. <laughs> But that's what has happened in my life. Uh, I had three girlfriends, Markay was the third. The others broke up with me. I thank God for his provision that Markay has stayed with me because he has had a plan in my life and Markay has been part of it. But so, as I give this testimony, I, I, I do want to weave in a lot of scripture because oftentimes we look at our lives, we compare our lives with someone else And then we feel like God should bless us like he blessed somebody else. And so I I really want to lay some context to my testimony because oftentimes we're asking God why. And I feel like in our lives, everything that we can go through or we can encounter, the answer is right here. God has a remedy for everything. So we'll start with Romans chapter 1, verse 28. Familiar passage. But Paul is talking to the church of Rome and he says, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking. If you're a Bible reader, you have King James, it said he turned them over to a reprobate mind and let them do things that should never be done. Verse 29, and their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate. Envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. So right there, after verse 29, you can just, so you would know, actually Paul could put there in the subject, Dwayne Clayton, all of these things. Greedy, envious, malicious behavior, all of those things, I have lived it. But what I would say is that my wife and I, we grew up in a small town, southwest Arkansas, called Magnolia. Got a good education, she was salutatorian. I was straggling along behind somewhere in the top percentage of our class, with a class of 229, but we had great teachers who poured into us. Community was very supportive. Undergraduate and on our way to college, I'm thinking, man, what am I gonna do with myself? I'm no longer going to be under my mother's roof and I'm asking these questions, Dwayne, can I? Can I, can I do this, can I do this? Whereas used to be, I would ask my mother, what do you think about this, can I do this? And so when I got on that college campus, freshman in my own dormitory and pretty much uh, playing on the football team, they did bed check on Thursday nights and Friday nights right before the game, making sure we were resting. And the schedule was pretty tight. Tuesday nights and Thursday nights study table, But the football practice schedule kept you so busy that you really didn't have a lot of time to get in a lot of riffraff. But oh no, not for Dwayne Clayton, I found a way. (laughs) (laughs) But during this uh, time, it it just seemed like with a lot of freedom and a lot of free will and really no one to answer to a lot of times, I found myself, and it started off very subtle. Very subtle. It started off in in Green Hall, we were playing Super Tech Mobile for any old schoolers in here. Super Tech Mobile? And Super Tech Mobile, we were playing. Next few times we came around, it was Super Tech Mobile, and then the equation was a little beer drinking. Now we're playing Super Tech Mobile with beer, and it evolved to other things. Whereas, you know, you're playing card games, dominoes. And so I went from beer to booze. From booze. To Blunts. Somebody don't know what I'm talking about here. And so during this time, what I found out is I was casually engaging with my friends, playing Take My Bowl. That's not bad. But there were other things manifesting. And then, like I said, from booze to Blunts, and then from Blunts to distribution. And so what I found out was that what became a toehole then a foothold, and then it became a stronghold in my life. And so that's why I was sharing those scriptures with you is because of all these things that Paul was describing, I knew right from wrong, but I just chose not to do it. So during this time of free will, the Lord allowed me to be reprobate, allowed me to do these things. And so here I am wondering, what have I gotten myself into? Verse 11, it says, You may, no, it says, God does not show favoritism. And that's good news to us today. God does not show favoritism. Verse 12, and it says, All who sin apart from the law will perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged under the law. Okay? And then moving on down to 13, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, for those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Verse 14, indeed when the Gentiles who did not have the written law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves even though they did not have the law. You've probably heard it said that for we should hide the law in our hearts. For they show the requirements of the law, verse 15, are written in their hearts and their consciousness also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. Concluding with verse 16, this will take place on that day when God judges people's secrets through Christ Jesus as the gospel declares. And so for me, as I look at verse 16, even my secrets... As, as the old saints would say, it says, what's done in the dark will come to the light. I don't know if you know about that. There were times when even people I didn't know that, that they would come by me and I say, son, whatever, I don't know you, whatever you're doing, God told me to tell you to stop it. And I'd do a double take like, what are they talking about? And I'm knowing God told them to say it. <laughs> and so here I am, I'm dilly-dallying with what I thought was just recreation, chilling. Uh, this is very casual. Beer drinking, to booze, hard liquor, to blunts, to distribution of marijuana, and found myself that honor roll student from Magnolia High, graduating the top percentage of the class. Now in fall of 1995, being in front of the dean, the president, and everybody that's higher ups in the university, I'm getting kicked out of the school with a 3.8 GPA. Fall 1995, and all of my teachers from high school—no, certainly not Dwayne, not the little guy that wore glasses, looking like Steve Urkel—but <laughs> the reality was that when my coach at the time, Steve Roberts, who was also coach at A State, he came down to Magnolia Police Department and said, "Dwayne, it's not you, is it? It's not yours, is it?" And taking ownership for my very own actions, I said, "Yes." It's mine, and he dropped his head in disgust, just like anyone would. And that was just the beginning of some of my mother's sorrows. After coming to UA Little Rock 1996 spring, I got, I continued, so it wasn't like, oh, I I took ownership, I said I'm gonna immediately change. So I came to Little Rock, guess what, you can change location, but if you don't change behavior, you still got the same issues. And so I'm in Little Rock now with the same issues I had when I was in Magnolia. So I found myself, even more so because this is a much faster pace than rural Arkansas and, and Magnolia. So I found myself, and I never will forget it. I had a friend who was a praying young lady. from Helena, Arkansas, but she would always pray. She would cover me. She'd check on me, take me to churches. We went to a, a local church, and, and the guy that said, son, whatever you're doing. Speaking all my life, whatever you're doing, you need to stop. Wouldn't listen. One day in particular, Audrey was praying for me, and I, all, I didn't have a lot of furniture in my little apartment. Again, I'm, at this time, 19 years old. Around the walls, everybody in the style. We drinking and partying and, 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 and a lot of other things. And so she knocks at the door and she said, I'm about to cover y'all. Right in our mess, right to Cover us, start praying. But during that time and during that turmoil in my life, I remember scripting a letter to my mother because I knew I was in a bad place. And I remember this so vividly and I wish my mother could put her hands on that letter. But I scripted my mother, I put it in the mail and I know these words very vividly. I said, the devil has a hold of me. I knew that. It was very apparent to me. In spring 1996, And she received that letter. So all this time, I'm still dealing with things. I'm wrestling with things. Leave UALR GPA not the same. It's bad. I'm just hanging on by a thread. But I go back to southern Arkansas in fall of 96, and then here comes other issues that I brought on myself. We're now expecting Michaela, and Michaela turned 25 next month, But we're expecting it, so I have all this other anxiety now because I'm having to provide for a baby. And I'm behaving like a baby myself. But nevertheless, as I'm thinking about ways I provide for my baby, I told you marijuana distribution, right? Then this evolved into crack cocaine distribution you know how when we get in trouble, you say, Lord, if you get me out of this one, I may have been there before. If you get me out of this one, I promise you, I'm going to serve you and do right. And so here I am at the, on the tail end of getting my degree, but I'm like, Lord, how will my life be with this F on my report card? For some of you don't know, that's a, that's a felony. I said, how is my life going to be? And so we're just thinking about it this, this entire time. I want somebody in here to know that it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And so my mother began because one of the things is, in order for us to know this to be true, it's not how you start, how you finish. There's a process that we got to go through. So in that process, my mother never explicitly said, Dwayne, stop what you're doing. But she went to the Lord about it. Maybe she was in denial, whatever. But she went to the Lord and she prayed. She said, Lord, whatever he is doing, put an end to it, but make it where you can still use him. And I'm like, man, what in the world? And so she prayed for me, and the Lord put an end to it, and it was an abrupt end. Uh, people kicked in the door. Marquette was there. Uh, they kicked in the door. So I'm, it was a class Y felony, what I was charged with. Uh, facing judge, was that? Carrots, 20 to 40. And through all that, I'm still asking the Lord. I said, if you get me out of it, if you get me out of it, and then it just, you know, how the, how the case can be pending and it's carrying on. And I'm like, okay, when you get me out? So now I'm building up my faith file because I'm, I'm in the word. And, and what you may not believe is that through all of this stuff, I never stopped attending church. Even when I was doing wrong, even when I knew better and wasn't doing better, it's kind of like Romans chapter 7. The good that I should do, I don't do. Because I got this war going on, is what Paul said. So there I was, I'm in the church vacillating and living this dichotomy. In church, but church wasn't in me. Anybody ever been there? I'm on the choir. I'm in the choir. And so as I stayed in this word, because I'm, I'm trusting him that he's going to deliver me from this mess I'm in. And so I'm reading the word and I and I see what the word says. And here I am in church and it and it says Mark 7, 6 says, You honor me with your lips, but Duane, your heart is far from me. In the same mouth you bless me with, you curse another folks, cause you're a distributor. So here I am. I'm trying to get this thing worked out, and in my life, it's a mess. It's in shambles. But it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And so we understand in that process also, we got to confront that sin that separates us from God. And so this sin issue that I was having, I was ashamed. Uh, the name all in the newspapers, I, my previous uh, teachers and administrators saw this, I'm ashamed. But as I told you, I was in the word and I kept reading and it says, hope, make it not a shame." And the scripture said that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So here I am, I'm trying to bounce back, so to speak. And the prayers that were prayed, Lord, if you make it where you can still use them, and I'm getting this word, and I'm saying, how can I be redeemed from the curse of the enemy? And how many of you know that Revelation gives us some good news? That people, or that new life, or that those here today that, People overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. See, there's an accuser of the brother, but see, we got the blood of the lamb and the word of testimony. So when people are giving that testimony about what God has done for you, that's good news because guess what? God does not show favoritism. Just like he blessed you, he'll bless you. And so that was good news to me because in my shame, I then started to see how God would redeem me. So this is my testimony. This is why it's scripture heavy. And so in this mess I was in, I'm seeing all of these, as they would say, the covers being pulled off my life, but I'm wondering how God's going to work it back out. And see, this is what really brought me to a place to where I began to, or the tipping point, so to speak, Ezekiel 36. Because anybody who knew me kindergarten through 12th grade, I was angry, bitter, Uh, really not a nice person to be around, but this is what the the word of the Lord says in Ezekiel 36, 25. It says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. I had a lot of football. I was an idol. Freshman, getting on campus, gained a little freshman 15, and waistline was kind of small, and the guy in front of me and outside linebacker, he was a big guy from Louisiana. Come from a powerhouse, Haynesville, Louisiana, 17 state championships. I said, I probably won't play till he graduates. But he started getting back spasms. And so I'm like, hey coach, I can play with you. So when he went out, I went in and guess what? I didn't come out. So football became my idol. But how many of you know God's ways are not our ways and our ways are not his ways. And so, just so many things begin to happen and manifest that my idols begin to fall. So guess what? After all that trouble I got into, I was kicked off the football team. But look at what verse 26 says. And I will give you a new heart and will put in you." this is the good part, a new spirit. His spirit. And I will take out your stony and stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. That was me knowing to do right but wouldn't. Don't that sound like a stony, stubborn heart? But then he would give us a responsive heart. And if you know me today, I'll cry during a commercial. And my wife and kids, they'll look "Oh, you all right, I'm fine. I got a new heart. But this is the amazing work of God. And so I want to tell you that even when God began to reconcile me and bring me back to a place that I knew he was redeeming me and saving my life, I got a little righteous indignation. Let's, let's be real. Since I'm telling my testament, let me give it all to you. So when I did get on the right path, I started looking at other folk that was in the same mess I was in, like something was wrong with them. So 1 Corinthians 6, said, this is what Paul had to remind the church at Corinth. He says, did you not realize you who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, who commit adultery, who are male prostitutes, who practice homosexuality. He said, don't you know even the thieves, greedy, drunkards, abusive chilling people, and none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. But he said, some of you were once like this. He said, if you got a king, James, he said, such were some of you. And so here I am, I've got my Bible, and I'm telling folk what they ought to be doing and looking at them. And I didn't realize that the same grace that saved me is the same grace that could save them. And see, we get it twisted sometimes because we're looking at folk, we've been praying for them, we put a card on the shelf, we're praying for them, we're lighting we're praying for them. And we're mad because they hadn't come through yet. But help us understand that God is not slow. Concerning his promises, as some men consider slowness or slackness. But Apostle Peter said this, he is long suffering. He said, you might be tired, you might be tired of waiting, but he said, it's in due season. See, planting seasons is not the same time as due season. See, you plant, and somebody else is going to water, but guess who going to get the increase? So what God is saying in that passage, he said, you might think I'm slow. But he said, I want all to come to the knowledge of repentance. And so while I was with my chest out, I was looking at other folk who were still in their mess. And Paul reminds us of this. Be careful that when you see other folk in the fall, that when you go to them, be careful that you don't stumble. And you get disqualified for thinking you better than they are. My Lord. So here I am. I'm I'm really getting through this because here's the thing. We know that we don't, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. We got to confront that sin. But then the last piece is reconciliation and restoration. And that part of it doesn't come without relationship. And so when we get relationship, then God gives us standards that I can't. Do what I used to do. I can't stay where I used to stay. And so here's the background to that first Corinthians passage. The believers were going against each other and said they're going to take other folks to court about righteous acts. And so here, there, Paul is letting them no, we got the word of God, let's let it line up with the word of God rather than take them to a civil court about these matters. So what we need to do, like, like Jesus left the disciples with this message, John 13, 35 says, If you are my disciples, then you got to show love for one another. Not the love that we define ourselves, but love that is patient, like 1 Corinthians 13. Love that's not keeping regular wrong and loving people through their mess. Because we're great at talking about how to get saved, but how do we help them walk out daily what salvation looks like? You know, the scripture says, hey, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. But what does that look like, sound like, and feel like? And so my testimony has been that, man, I've been to a lot of churches, spent a lot of hours in church knew how to do church, but my testimony is that my heart wasn't right. Yeah. And I found myself judging people based on their actions, but looking at Dwayne based on his intention. It's so good. And so when we look at this, rules without relationships going to equal rebellion, but when we start loving on folk with the love of God, this is what we understand. Yeah, now we're in a relationship. And Paul even asked the church at Rome this. He says in Romans chapter six, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then it says, it's kind of like a rhetorical question he asked. He said, God forbid, he answered his own question. (laughs) Certainly not. And so he talks about then that we got to walk after the spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of flesh. So this is what it looks like. Now that we get saved, now that we get redeemed, and where I see redeemed is like this. See, I'm a couponer. I know y'all looking at me in that tone of voice, Couponer? Yeah, they got digital ones now, so I gotta matriculate to the digital coupons. But what, what what I'm trying to show is this. See, a coupon, you can redeem it for a value. And see, some of us feel like that we've done too much wrong, that we're in the muck and miry clay, that we're in a pit that God's arms are too short to save us, but the reality is that no matter where you find yourself, God is able to save, God is able to heal, God is able to restore. And so you're probably letting your past hold you hostage because there's still some residue of some stuff. But I come to tell you today that no don't matter what the residue is, that God said that I come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. Uh, so now what I have to find myself doing, because I'm still a work in progress, so he brought me from all of that, why? Because I can link up with people like Dakota Saban. So then we started finding stuff to replace the mess we was in. Now we running. But now instead of running from the popo, we running for Jesus. And, and, and so what does that really look like? Now we get plugged into small groups. Now that we're sharing, hey, man, I'm dealing with this. I need this type of help. Hey, man, what do you do when this type of situation Come on? And I always tell y'all, for those that are married, I tell you this right here. I keep my bodyguard with me. And it ain't built up like this. This is my wife. And she'll let people know in a minute. So we got to make sure that we have healthy boundaries. I'm just being real. Because guess what? The devil knows what we like. And so we have to make sure we set up healthy boundaries in our small groups and in the places that we go to so that when we come, because Paul, Paul is a popular guy in this book here. He told him at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that there is now no temptation, no demand that is coming that God won't give you an escape route. So we gotta find an escape routes so that's proactive, not reactive, so that when I get in a situation, because you will, can I be real with you? Even in church, you can be helping somebody and find yourself in a situation. So we got to have healthy boundaries to help us when we come to a situation because we're going to now live by this godless standard. And so as we get ready to close, there are so many things that God has manifested himself in our lives. This is my testimony, but there's more testimonies out here. And what I found in this testimony is that at wit's end, I was thinking I was too much of a mess for God to use it. And what God will do is he'll turn your mess into a message. Not for my glory, not for your glory, but for his glory. And so this is the good news. And I'm closing and I'll be praying that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's a love like no other love. You know, of all the miracles, I say this often, of all the miracles, healing, restoring families, you know, those things that you really can't wrap your mind around. The biggest miracle to me is salvation. Because like I mentioned with the coupons, you can buy it back for a value. See, somebody may not value you like the Lord values you. Oh, he's not worth much. She's not worth much. But we're adopted sons and daughters of the king. And we're worth much to him. He's right there now, making intercession for us. I said, Lord, I said, God, I'm praying for him. In the book of Luke, this is what our responsibility is as a church. Peter was praying and said, Peter, when you are strengthened, help your brother. He said, Simon, Simon, I have sifted you as wheat. But when you are converted, when you're stronger, help your brother. That's what we're here for. Because it may be somebody's day today. It could be your day tomorrow. And I want to close with this. Jesus is not a respecter of persons. He don't care who he's saves. He's saving on Main Street. He's healing on Main Street. He'll heal on Scott Street. He'll heal in the East End, Hangar Hill. And he'll heal out west. It doesn't matter to him the day you hear my voice harden not your heart behold I stand at the door and knock if any man hears my voice he should allow me in and I will come in and sup with him God we thank you right now thank you for your healing power thank you for restoration power thank you for grace it is of your mercies that we are not consumed and they are new every morning and your compassions fail not. God, we thank you right now. There's some thinking, contemplating. What's my next step? Lord, they don't need a bishop. They don't need a pastor. They don't need, they just need to call out to your name. God, come into their hearts. Give them a new heart. Give them new minds. That they take another and manifest it, let this mind be in us, that is also in Christ Jesus. That we will help each other on a daily basis, and you will say to us, "New Life Church and the Universal Church, well done, my good and faithful servant." It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen.
0: Amen. Are you all thankful for the word? Yeah, something that struck me in in what Dwayne said is Dwayne went from being one type of person and became something that he never could have imagined being, and other people around him probably couldn't imagine him being that. And so I, I want to read two quotes to you. I'm going to read two quotes. I'm going to ask you two questions, and then we're going to respond. When he was talking about grace, the the thing that that gripped me with it is this. I think this lays it out so well. I was reading this this morning. It says this. It says, Grace doesn't mean you don't have to do anything, (laughs) right? Grace isn't opposed to works. It's opposed to merit. Okay, what does that mean? Mercy, it doesn't mean that you don't have to do anything. It just means you don't have to do anything to earn it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't ask anything of you. And I think so often we can come to church and it's like we come in and we, we feel better, but we don't change. Why? Because we don't realize God gives us the grace to change. He goes on and says this. He says, but grace empowers and it fuels our works. There's more to grace than mercy. Mercy is one significant part of grace, but it's not the whole story. Mercy covers and grace empowers. And so what I want, I want you to think about is two questions. One. Is there anything God's been speaking to you this morning? As, as Dwayne's testifying, as Dwayne's telling his story, is there anything that God was just stirring up in your heart where it's like, maybe, man, this is something I haven't quite brought to him, or man, this is something that's got its hooks in me again, or man, this is something that I just need to trust God with. What's God speaking to you? I, I want to read this to you. I'm going to ask you one more question. John Stott said this. He said, can human nature be changed? Is it possible to make a sour person sweet, a proud person humble, or a selfish person unselfish? The Bible declares emphatically that these miracles can take place. It's part of the glory of the gospel. Jesus Christ offers change not only to our standing before God, but to our very nature. This tremendous inward change is the work of the Holy Spirit. So, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Two questions. What's God speaking to you? Is there an area where you need to trust Him for change? And two, if He's speaking to you, He's pulling on your heart, what are you gonna do about it? God's speaking, God wants to work in you, but He wants to partner with you, amen? Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. I pray that this message that you just listened to helps you and assists you in your journey with Jesus. And if you want to get connection in our church, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock.